Cornbread Kentucky Food Radio with your host, Chef Weedham Michael, <laughs> and I'm Chris Michael. Rona Roberts, our usual co-host, could not be here today, so we hope she's listening and approving of what we're doing. Hi, Chris. Hi, Weeda. Hi, Rona. Hi, Rona. Well, that's got to be one of my all-time favorite songs, Christopher. Well, that's why I maybe played it. Makes me feel so nostalgic. <laughs> well, it is the week, it is the day after the busiest week of the year for us. And um, we're feeling a little bit wonky today. At least I am. Because we just celebrated in one weekend, Derby Day, UK graduation, and Mother's Day. So it was like a tsunami of restaurant work (laughs) (laughs) big big restaurant weekend big big restaurant weekend um this time during our show we always start with best bite or sip and my best bite came sunday after working mother's day brunch late while well i guess it was about 6 30 or 7 and Christopher and Willa made me a delicious lobster roll. I think you boiled the lobsters and shucked all the lobster meat yourself, right? I honey? did indeed. And it was so delicious. And then Willa made her special guacamole, which it is avocado season in uh, many parts of the country. And the avocados are delicious and really inexpensive right now. And it was darn good, that, uh, that guacamole. And really easy. Really easy. What did you put in it? Well, uh, two cloves of garlic. How many avocados? Three avocados, mm. two cloves of garlic, um, some ch- fresh chopped cilantro, mm. juice of one lime, and I think that's about it. Although I would usually put a little spicy something in there if Willa <laughs> weren't eating it, like a little cayenne or something. But it was good. But she pretty much made it. It was delicious. Anyway. It was really good. What was your best biter sip this week, sweetheart? Hmm. We had a big well, week. We we had a lot of <laughs> a lot going on. I mean, it feels like ten years ago, but we were in Louisville this week. Yeah, we were up in Louisville on last Tuesday, uh, doing some stuff at the backside, which is always fun. Um, back there with the trainers and the horses, and um, doing some media stuff for that's the backside of Churchill Downs. Yes, backside of Churchill Downs, and um, 
Weta made a butter, a Kentucky butter cake, which was, which I thought was it turned pretty out good. outstanding. Were it was you... sort of like a pound cake with uh, we, bourbon. Yeah, we made it. bourbon. Well, so the Kentucky butter cake, it's it is a pound cake recipe. It, it's um, I'll, I'll try to get it to Rona so she can put it on the um, Savoring Kentucky uh, blog that she has, and also maybe on the hot water. Uh, Facebook page, but Kentucky butter cake, it's made in a bunt pan. And you know, I'm not much of a baker, Christopher, you're really the baker in our relationship. Mm. So I, that means a lot to me that you thought it tasted good. <laughs> <laughs> it did require an hour and or more in the oven, but it's made with butter and sour cream. And we used uh, Woodford Reserve instead of uh, vanilla. And we also made a bourbon, a Woodford butter uh, and lemon and sugar glaze for the top, which I thought turned out real well. Uh, so we glazed the cake while it's still warm with some bourbon glaze. It was nice. Thank you for saying that. Oh, yes. And we served it all weekend with blackberries and lemon mousse. It was, it was quite good. Very nice. Well, yeah, I always like that in the springtime when the berries are first coming. That's one of my favorite mm. desserts is just fresh berries and pound cake or angel food cake or something, something. like that. And just yeah. you toss the berries and a little bit of sugar with just some whipped cream or some vanilla ice cream. Or, mm-hmm. It's good. It's probably my favorite dessert. And we had some other good meals while we were in Louisville. We ate at Proof. Yeah, and we had, a few weeks ago on Hot Water Cornbread, we had Mike Wedja on as a guest. He has the, been the chef at Proof for exactly one year. I think he started two weeks before Derby last year. And so this was his second Derby, but first year, just completing his first year at Proof in Louisville. It was delicious. You know, we had the, well, I wanted to say I had that delicious cocktail with... The beet-infused tequila with um, lime juice was really, really good. And I just had bourbon. <laughs> you had bourbon. <laughs> but, um, and then for dinner, we had some... Well, we had their charcuterie plate. And yes. I think um, one, of the, one of the things on there was something new. They the finocchi. Fin- yeah. Finocchione. Yeah. Uh, it's a fennel sausage. It was delicious. Dried and cured. Very mm-hmm. good. And... Um, they do a chicken liver. They call it a pop strawberry pop tart. Um, it's like a puff pastry with a, a house made strawberry preserves and a chicken liver mousse. That was unusual. Which was good too. Yeah, and you had pickled beet salad. Yeah, pickled beet salad. And I had a regular, I think, more of a traditional salad, just some salad greens, which were quite delicious. Anyway, proof. Uh, I mean, twenty one C here in Lexington too. Both they're they're such. It's a, such a fun place to go because you can wander around and look at art. They have um, galleries and um, all kinds of contemporary art everywhere in the dining room and also in attached galleries. So you can, you know, get a drink and wander around while you're waiting for your table and look at the art. And um, if you're staying in the hotel, it's a lovely place to stay. And we just yeah. had a good day. It was fun. We had a great time. And then the yep. next morning, we had delicious dinner. And the next morning, we got up and went to, uh, went very early to the backside of the track. And when we were finished there, about 10 o'clock, you took me to breakfast at a really good little place in Louisville called Con Huevos. It's on, was it on? Uh, it's on Frankfurt Frankfurt Avenue. Avenue. And so Con Huevos was the name. And it's super fresh, sort of Mexican-style menu. But I had um, 
the chili chilaquiles, which I normally don't have because I'm I never think they're that great. That's a dish where you take fried tortilla chips and toss them with a sauce. And in this case, it was salsa verde, you know, a tomatillo sauce. And, um, you know, usually has some cheese. And it was so good. This version was really, really delicious. Had a little crema, had a little cheese on the top, poached egg. Um, it was yumbo. And you had, what did you have? I had a green um, uh, uh, enchiladas filled with pork and uh this a green chili sauce and uh poached egg and yours which was nice where's was good. i love that marriage of the traditional mexican and breakfast i do uh, too i think good. we should open a latin restaurant <clears throat> yeah that's next i've been fantasizing about that well, lately <laughs> <laughs> yeah i know you i know that's high on your agenda well that was sort of the weekend food i mean we <laughs> <laughs> We did a whole lot of cooking. We did do a whole lot of eating. Yeah, we did do some eating. Early in the week. Well, you're here on Lexington Community Radio here in downtown Lexington coming to you. And um, you can also stream live on LexingtonCommunityRadio.org. And um, our show, if you're so inclined, you can listen to past archived episodes on the Savoring Kentucky website. That's Savoring k is it savoring ky dot i'm sorry rona (laughs) savoring kentucky just look it up i can't remember the exact web address but uh we've got archived episodes there that's rona's terrific blog of um kentucky food and uh culture that rona roberts hosts and we have hot water cornbread facebook page yes we do have our facebook page hot water cornbread and um we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to be talking about the um, we're talk about Mother's Day, and we'll talk about the farmers market, and we'll talk about, about the Holly Hills Holly anniversary. Hill. Yes, the Holly Hill just had a just had our 15 year anniversary, so we've been in business over there in Midway since 2001. So that's kind of a big day for us, but we'll be back uh, right after this. Fifteen years and I'm still serving time Serving time with that good man of mine I've been married fifteen years I've shed fifteen million tears Fifteen years and I'm still serving time Fifteen years and I ain't got a dime Not a dime in those long fifteen years Each night I drink 15 beers to forget those 15 years, 15 years with that good man of mine. Oh, there ain't no bars on the window, and there ain't no locks on the door, and there ain't no guards in the courtyard, but I'm a prisoner forevermore. Fifteen years and I'm still serving time, serving time with that good man of mine. When I let those church bells chime, tell me, was that a crime? Fifteen years and I'm still serving time. All I taste, 15 years, and I'm still serving time. (laughs) 
can't save up no dough for bail. Fifteen years and I'm still serving time. Oh, there ain't no chains on my ankles. And there ain't no ropes on my hands. And there ain't no, ain't nothing nowhere. But I'm a prisoner to that man. That neck was mine, 15 years, and I'm still serving time. Oh, there ain't no bars on the window, and there ain't no locks on the door, and there ain't no guards in the courtyard, but I'm a prisoner forevermore. 15 years, and I'm still serving time, serving time with that good man of mine. Got six kids from one to nine, some are his and some are mine. Fifteen years, and I'm still serving time, and I love every moment of it. It was beautiful. I just love it. That's right. Fifteen years. <laughs> are you telling my life story with that song, Chris Michael? Well, I don't Little know. Little Pearl Bailey. Well, that was wonderful. Well, you know, this, uh, one thing I thought that would be kind of neat to talk about today. So yesterday was, or no, day before yesterday was Mother's Day. And of course, both you and I had incredible, I mean, both of our mothers uh, were, and your mother still is, incredible cooks. And uh, I thought you might want to talk about a few of your mom's, uh, your favorite dishes that your mom does. Well, gosh, my mom... She and my father ate by candlelight every night. I know, at a big, long table. A big, long table. The kids all ate. With sterling silver. <laughs> we all ate earlier, and then they had their candlelight dinner after. Every night. After we went to bed, I guess. And uh, But she was a, you know, I remember her making tons of pasta. She always right. experimented with pasta. She made, um, one of my favorite dishes she always made was manicotti, and she'd make the you know, she wouldn't buy the manicotti in the box. She'd make the crepes, yeah, and roll them up uh, for the for the baked manicotti, and she would do uh, awesome pesto. And she always did pesto. that ham and pea pasta that I like. Yep, uh, pasta with which I I still make. Uh, it's uh, you you make a sort of a creamy sauce with ham, uh, mushrooms, and peas, green peas, um, and parmesan. Um, that's always good. And you used to use, when you make it, you make it low fat with like evaporated yeah, milk. Yeah, you use evaporated skim milk instead of cream and to it's uh, really lighten good. it up a little bit. It's good, yeah. And then, I mean, she. The malfatti. Malfatti. <clears throat> and that's actually something we've done at Holly Hill Inn. Yeah, that's one of our dishes. Um, it's there. a spinach and ricotta cheese dumpling that um, it's poached and then baked with uh, tomato sauce and cheese. That's delicious. Very good. And, um, and your all time favorite? My all-time... Well, I love my mother's meatloaf. <laughs> I've never it been able to replicate large dose of Jones meatloaf. Large dose of Campbell's <laughs> tomato soup in it. That's why you haven't been able to replicate it. I know. You I don't have Campbell's tomato soup I in do the like Campbell's tomato soup. Well, one of your mother's dishes that she taught me and that she taught me how to love it and she taught me how to make it is this chicken liver pate. 
And um, it's an original recipe. Originally, it was a recipe from the New York Times cookbook from Craig Claiborne. But I remember one of the very first times that I spent the holidays with your family. It was like Thanksgiving, and your Mm. mom had this little cocktail cart that she would put all the hors d'oeuvres on, and then you, she would roll it into the living room, and we'd have drinks. And, and one of her cocktails, her favorite appetizers, was this chicken liver mousse. It's really a mousse and not a pate. It's called pate, but it's ground, it's ground so fine that it's like a, a very fine puree. And we do that. In fact, we will have that on the menu this week at Holly Hill. Uh, I, that's one of my all-time favorites, and I hate liver. Liver is one of the foods that I oh. really do not like to eat, but I don't eat fried chicken livers. I can't stand beef, any kind of veal liver, but I love, except I do love foie gras, but I do love this chicken liver mousse. It's yeah, delicious. Yeah, and, and Holly Hill, we Kentuckify it a little bit. We put um, bourbon, in. bourbon instead of, I think my mom always used sherry. She liked to use um, a little brandy, too, sometimes. And we put apple, a little apple in it, and my I mom do. never did the apple. Yeah, but. I do apple and onion, and but, but the key ratio is equal parts butter to liver. Yeah, up to equal parts. <laughs> I sometimes I don't... <laughs> we don't quite put equal it's, it's, parts. It's in between. It's one cup it's of butter two, per pound of liver. Yeah, it's in between two, two parts. Half two, part. Yeah, half part, like a one pound of butter to two pounds of liver, yeah. but you can add more butter. Um and a little bit like. of and a little bit of curry powder. <laughs> yeah, a what's bit her of curry secret powder. ingredient? Yeah, I love yeah. that dish. What about your mom? What are some of her dishes? You know, like? my mom was uh, she was the the she was such a healthy cook even from the time that I was even from this, you know, when when we before we knew all all the stuff we should be healthy about. But one of the things I always laugh about with my mom is. You know, in the in the seventies, uh, I was born in the sixties, and she was a really young mom. And in the seventies, you know, she became quite liberated. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember a bra being burned, but but she was a pretty liberated person. And we used to have this little grocery store on Limestone called Mashney's Market, and um, Mr. Mashney owned it, and I loved Mr. Mashney with all my heart. Every kid in our neighborhood did. He was one of the most kind. And wonderful, I mean, maybe, I guess I have rose-colored glasses, but we would always walk up there. But like every good neighborhood store, you know, he had a little meat counter in the back. You could get produce. And he sold all kinds of, um, I'm not sure what country he was from, but he sold like falafel mix and lamb and like exotic things that seemed exotic in 1973. <laughs> And uh, I remember my mom, that one of our one of the things she made for dinner, and I, th- I always said this was the beginning of the end of my parents' marriage, was she, dad came home for dinner and mom had made falafels. There was no meat on the table. And I was like, what? No meat? But she was, a, so she was a really adventurous cook. One of the things I remember growing up eating um, when I was a kid, we had Japanese exchange students through the University of, of Kentucky, a program they had there. We did this for two summers in a row, and they taught us how to make tempura. Well, my parents had big gardens, and at that time, you could have st- a faculty. My dad was on the faculty at UK Med Center, and that you could have sign up for a lottery to get a garden plot over there by the football stadium. There were acres and acres of individual garden plots that people from all around town could sign up for a lottery to get. So we always usually got our name on right away and got a, got a, um, cause I grew up on state street. And so we got a lottery over there and we usually had a garden plot over there. And so 
these Japanese students taught us how to do tempura, and we would deep fry literally <laughs> batter and deep fry everything from that garden. And one of her specialties was we called them jack straw. So she'd take is the only way that she got us to eat eggplant. She'd take eggplant, and they are delicious. And she'd peel it and cut it into long fingers, and then we'd do it in tempura batter, mm. and really, really good. Um, but of course, she's she's the inspiration behind the Windy Corner five grain salad. She always loved to eat, to eat a lot of whole grains and greens. And when she cooked her collard greens, she didn't really do the slow mountain way of cooking collard greens because my mom was from a little town in Wyoming called Thermopolis, Wyoming. And she would take her collard greens and um, do what we call a chiffonade, which is a very fine slice. So you stack your leaves up and you roll it into a little bundle and then you slice it really, really thin. She'd have a really thin chiffonade of greens. Remember that? And she Mm -hmm. would cook them in olive oil and garlic and usually like a little something else in there. Well, she put... Sometimes butternut squash, she'd have a little dice of that. Or sometimes if it was summertime, she'd have like a little... She'd put some bacon or yeah, ham in there sometimes. Yeah, sometimes she'd put ham or something like that in there. But a lot of times they were vegetarian. But I, the thing I remember about those greens is they they were, yeah, diced up real small. Real small. Not like big, slurpy, yeah. soupy greens. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's completely different. Different, yeah. Um, oh, I loved that dish. She always loved to make, um, in, at Christmas time... Um, icebox cookies and sugar cookies that came. Those are like many generations in our family that we've been making those. And then she always did a ham at Easter and a, a really, she just had a particularly good glaze that she used to put on that ham and her deviled eggs were fantastic. Um, and she was famous for her turkey soup. And when we were kids, we hated that turkey soup because Every day, every year, of course, you have a turkey for Thanksgiving and probably another one at Christmas time. And I always loved the turkey, but then you knew that that big old turkey carcass was going to be in the pot the next <laughs> week. And she would put like every vegetable known to mankind in there. And we just, we never wanted to eat it as kids. We just never wanted all those vegetables. And then as we grew up, we couldn't wait to have that turkey soup. And then there was one dish that I think will go down in history for you. What? Your mom's meatloaf? <laughs> My mom's meatloaf. The loaf is what we call it. Pam Sexton was known for slipping strange things into her meatloaf. Well, well she went through Grains. this phase. She had flaxseed. Fibrous things. <laughs> she went through this phase where, and she used a lot of, um, she made her meatloaf out of ground turkey and textured soy protein. And she would put like flaxseed and all these seeds in it. Well, what, the first time I ever brought Chris home um, to meet my mom and, and my stepdad, Bob, uh, they, my mom made that for, for dinner. And so we were driving back to New York, um, and she made these sandwiches out of the leftover, what, what my brother fondly calls loaf, Pam's loaf, <laughs> refusing to use the term meat in it. And we had such bad gas all the way back to New York. Remember, we had to drive <laughs> with the, the windows, windows down. down. It was pretty bad. Well, anyway, you know, my grandmother, what, I, she was... She always she was a master of like taking all kinds of stuff yeah. that was left over and making a meal out of it. Yeah. And as kids, yeah, you're right. You know, we were always like, "Ooh, we don't want to eat that stuff." <laughs> yeah. Now, Ugh, I, now it's like, "Ooh, I wish I had some of that." The the story I think of is like my sister and I had gone down to the deli and we brought home these sandwiches, and um, my grandmother just she got so upset and 
yelled at us for buying sandwiches when she had a perfectly good pot of fish head soup <laughs> that she had just made from some, you know, the bones from the fish that we had the night before. <laughs> you guys are and thinking, we were like, Ooh, God, oh, fish no head way. Soup. <laughs> and, uh, but you know, thinking back on it, that fish head soup was probably delicious. I know, right? I'm mm -hmm. sure it was delicious. My mom was also famous for her, like, chili and her spaghetti sauce. Back in the day, before you could buy jarred spaghetti, before we all bought jars of spaghetti sauce, you know, it was something that you would simmer on the stove all day. And I remember there was no better feeling in the whole world than, you know, walking in the door after school and having, you know, that smell of that homemade tomato sauce just wafting over the whole house. You know, always had meat in it, usually, with her. But anyway, just thinking back on Miss Pam Sexton and all her gourmet adventures, she was sure one heck of a cook. And I think the real reason I became a chef. So well, yeah. thanks, Mom. And now Willa, our daughter, she makes uh, your mom's salad dressing. That's her legacy now. She's the one that makes the salad she dressing. She makes the salad dressing. That's her deal, making the salad dressing. Well, when we come back, we're going to have a quick break, and we're going to talk about what's going on at the farmer's market and some recipes that you can do with those ingredients that are for sale. Valencia y usted está escuchando a WLXL Radio Comunitario Lexington. It's 6:42 p.m. Time for Steve Plato and his son Dylan to do the dishes. They talk about everything from the yuckiness of girls to the awesomeness of his soccer team. Sometimes they don't talk at all. Then, hey, the dreaded <laughs> splash fight. It's dad o'clock. And it's the best time of the day. Because the smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Take time to be a dad today. Call 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Hi, you're listening to Hot Water Cornbread and I'm Weeda Michael. It's Weeda O'Clock. It's Weeda O'Clock. Take time to be... <laughs> 
Take time to be a dad today. Chris, I must say you are a good daddy. Why, why thank you. Um, well, it's time to talk about the farmer's market, and I have been waiting patiently for this season to take off. And, I mean, we started we started out with a bang because we had some warm weather this spring, and then it turned cold and rainy on us, very cold, with late frosts in April, and sort of set us back a little bit. But now we're in full swing, and this is my favorite time of year. Well, from here till the killing frost in, in October, honestly, I have to say I live in a state of constant inspiration about the, di- the different vegetables that are coming on. Um, so let's talk about what's in the farmer's market this week. Uh, the number one thing that we talked about a couple weeks ago on hot water cornbread is asparagus. It is asparagus season. We are in the asparagus bread basket of Kentucky. We really, really, really have a lot of asparagus coming in. Um, and we've been, we're, we've been doing everything possible this week with it. Uh, and last week it will continue to be. Um, but our simple technique is to blanch the asparagus. Remember that's plunge it into boiling water and then plunge it into ice water. So in boiling water for a couple of minutes or just till you get it the way you like it. And that helps set the color. And then from there, you can hold it in that state, you can grill it, you can saute it, you, you just have a little bit better luck with it. Um, but if you want to keep it raw, we're going to be doing a little salad this uh, week with a raw asparagus where you peel it and then you p- cut it into long ribbons. We're going to toss it with lemon, extra virgin olive oil, a little Asiago cheese, and some arugula, which I think will be very delicious. But I saw an interesting recipe yesterday because um, I was perusing... I'm writing a new menu, and I saw a recipe for asparagus guacamole. Hmm. Speaking of guacamole, and instead of avocado, you cook your asparagus and you you know you puree your uh, um, asparagus up instead of the avocado. It looked pretty good, actually. Hmm. Well, I was. How do you have to cook the asparagus? Because to me, when you cook asparagus a long time, it gets kind of skunky, stinky. No, it didn't seem like you cooked it longer than regular, just till it's tender. Uh, then also lots of spinach coming on. So it's spinach season and the spring and the spinach in the spring and the bluegrass is fantastic. Um, couple of things you can do here hot bacon dressing which isn't the healthiest but so good just brown up some bacon in a pan leave all the bacon fat right in that pan add yourself a little bit of mustard if you want to right to the pan you can add a little sorghum if you want to right to the pan if you don't have either one of those you don't have to add either one just add some either malt vinegar apple cider vinegar whatever your favorite vinegar is some salt and pepper pour it right over the clean spinach toss it all together and that's really delicious with like boiled eggs um, that are sliced over the top. Um, also, the other thing that the other way that we really love spinach is you know, you know steam the spinach or blanch it like we just talked about with the asparagus. And then if you're blanching it, remember go straight into the really ice icy cold water once you've cooked it. And then squeeze it. And then the Japanese restaurants, you know, they put a little miso sauce oh, on yeah. that or with sesame oil, a little sesame and tamari with a little bit of sprinkling. Well, and of, then you know the classic sautéed spinach was you hot pan with olive oil and a little bit of garlic and then you just take a couple of handfuls of spinach leaves throw them right in the pan yeah and um you know there's a little water left on the spinach leaves from where you washed them and it just kind of steams and then you just basically put a lid on the pan and let it 
yeah. cook for like a minute or two. Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't take done. any minute. And one tip for that, when you're sautéing the fresh greens, which you is so, so good for you, and there are all kinds coming on. We're going to talk about more varieties here in just a second. You can use like a bigger kettle instead of doing a small sauté pan because the greens cook way down, but you need sort of the sides of the pot to hold them inside to keep them kind of contained in your kitchen. Otherwise, you've got leaves flying all over the place in order to cook a large variety, a large quantity for a family. So yeah, saute just plain old sautéed spinach is so so good, so healthy for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, baby carrots are coming on, and uh, remember carrots Vichy from the Culinary Institute. Ah uh, yes. <laughs> so I mean, I I'll tell you what, some of these carrots they just look so good. We just scrub them really good, um, and if they're really baby carrots, you don't really need to peel them if you don't feel like it, as long as you give them a really good washing, um, and then just a little bit of lemon water, and uh, you can use honey, you can use a little bit of sugar. Um, but just a little sweetened, um, a little sweetened water that just cook yeah. them up. And well, fa- the trick was to put just the right amount of water. So when the water evaporated right. completely, the carrot, the was carrot is done. Yeah. And the little sugar and butter in there make a little glaze on the carrot. It's so that's so the classic good. glazed carrot. Glazed but, carrot. But I mean, you can just cook them and, you know, drain them and boil them. You know, too. when I was also, um, um, Speaking of mothers, like Gretchen, my stepmom, she used to always just cook those little baby carrots in chicken broth, and mm. canned chicken broth, and they were so good. We loved them with a little bit of butter and dill. Spring radishes, they're in like, there's, there, we're going to be a wash in radishes. Of course, I love radish sandwiches. Slice them thin, a little bit of butter, salt, white bread, Pepperidge Farm white bread is the best for that. But you can pickle them too, and we use them on all our salads. They're just like a little spicy pick-me-up. I love those. Would you ever cook a radish? Yes, we braise radishes. Um, Any I th- kind of radish, or is there a particular kind of radish that you uh, would like? The, the bre- long, the breakfast, breakfast radish. radish uh, I'm not sure. Because I wouldn't, I mean, like the little salad radishes, the little round ones. You yeah. Don't ever, I mean, you don't often see those cooked. I, Sometimes if you're at the farmer's market, there's a whole lot of varieties. There's watermelon radish that look like watermelons when you cut them. You'll see the longer white radishes. Those are more braising radishes mm. than the little round ones. Do they taste like a turnip? They taste a little bit like yeah. turnips. Yeah, they're good. They're, they're, you know, I prefer them raw, but I might be in a minority there. Kohlrabi made an appearance in the market today mm. or this week. Um, so that's like this, looks like this big round. It looks, it's kind of like if you took a broccoli stem and put it on steroids till it became round like an apple. It has little little leaves that fly yeah. off the top of it. Um, it makes a delicious slaw. Um, just make it like a regular car- you know, regular coleslaw, but instead of cabbage, use your kohlrabi. You do have to peel it. Um, it's also great, you know, th- sliced thin, tossed with apple, lemon, toasted pecans or hazelnuts. You can roast it. Um, it's it's a great. It's a great vegetable and really healthy for you. The first strawberries are coming on, our local strawberries. And um, I'm they can, cannot come too soon for me. I am so tired of store-bought strawberries. Are so, they in in some places? Yeah. Hazelfield Farm and, and you know in Franklin County had some at the Frankfurt Farmer's Market this week. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure who all has them in right now, but you're going to start to see them in farmer's markets um, and that'll be, if we can maintain some warmer weather and some sunshine, we'll start seeing the U-Pick fields um, opening up for the strawberries. Um, I like them with um, a little black pepper and balsamic vinegar, mm-hmm. maybe a little goat cheese. I love all of that stuff. Uh, spring onions, the, all of our green onions and the candy onions, all those early onions, they're going to be coming on. And um, 
I just think are delicious. And one of the things that I've always liked to do the, if you, when you have a plethora of spring onions and you know, you grow one row of onions, you've got almost too much slice all the green stem, you know, slice them up as, as well as you can. And then just take a little olive oil or a little butter and you cook them pretty briefly in that in olive oil and, uh, you know, just a little bit till they, till they're soft and then season them with a little bit of salt. And that makes a really delicious ravioli filling. And one of the dishes that I one time had in New York city years and years and years ago at a Persian restaurant, and I've never seen it anywhere else, although I've made it many times at Holly Hill it, you can take wonton wrappers and you can make sort of a, and that, that's a little bit closer to what they actually made in that restaurant than a, than a regular pasta wrapper. And you fill it with your wilted spring onions and then they took, they made a ground lamb sauce for the top. Oh my gosh. It was so, so good. Well, and um, there's a Chinese dumpling that's got green onion filling too. Um, is there oh that's kind of interesting because you know on the the near east far east chinese no. yeah continuing we, there. Uh, we've had that at uh, panda garden at panda garden on their sunday buffet yeah. sometimes so spring onions you know super healthy for you all those onion family vegetables spring garlic is of course plentiful and you know don't forget you can eat the whole bulb you don't have to peel it all of those things are superfoods. peas should be coming soon i haven't seen any yet um, Christopher's giving me a look like he's huh? like no, super no, no. bull. <laughs> thanks, thanks a lot. Uh, baby lettuces, of course, have been coming on. They've we've had those, but you're going to start to see tons and tons of them. Don't forget your spring lettuces; they're the soft and tender ones, and they're really great for wilting um, with hot dressings, which is one of my favorite things to do. Um, you should start to see bib and butterhead taking shape into the market. They come in a little bit after the leafy greens, like the green oak and the red and the green leaf, um, red, uh, the little mosh, little s- small spring lettuces, um, greens of all kinds, you know, kale, Swiss chard collards, all of those are coming in. One of the dishes that I feel like, uh, is I've always liked, and is a big part of the Holly Hill Inn history is the Swiss chard gratin. Mm-hmm. And we did that, of course, when we went to the James Beard House in 2004, which seems like um, well, was a long time ago. Twelve years. <laughs> yes, I was pregnant with Willa at the time. But you make a, you take a white, you make a, like a nice white sauce. You put all the, and you you cook the stems. So you use all the leaves and all the stems of the Swiss chard. And this is kind of the classic how you make a vegetable casserole. Uh, and we have the French to thank for it. We like to claim casseroles in the South. But in French cooking, a lot of times they'll call a casserole a gratin, which I find more elegant. But you just make a simple white sauce, and you blanch your Swiss chard leaves and chop them. You blanch the stems and um, chop those, and you layer them with this um, white sauce in a, uh, a baking dish. And then it has parm- Parmesan che- cheese and breadcrumbs, buttered breadcrumbs across the top and bake. It's, it's really great side dish. And then don't forget, spring is a great time to have your kale salads, the massaged mm. kale salad. Uh, spring and fall both work really well for that salad, but the, the spring kale is really, really tender. So it's a nice time. And all you're doing there is, is washing your kale, um, taking off any thick stems, and then um, tossing it with a little bit of extra virgin olive oil and salt and then massaging it really, really well. Of course, um, like you would massage, uh, like you would massage my feet, Christopher. Just <laughs> <laughs> right. 
and, of course, yes. until it's tender and broken down. And then a lot of times we just toss it with a little bit of lemon juice after that, but it's also great with all kinds of different dressings. We've done blue cheese dressing, et cetera, et cetera. So that's the that's what's coming out well, at know, the I farmer's market. just thought that a lot of these spring vegetables that are coming in, good, a nice thing to do with them, too, to make an easy, you know, an easy meal is to make quiche. Yes. You're, that's a, so. another dish of your mom's. Yeah, well, that's why I was thinking of it, actually. <laughs> she made a great she quiche. She made quiche Lorraine, which is uh, bacon, onion, and um, Gruyere cheese. But, um, you know, all these tender spring greens and spring onions yeah. and... And actually, um, her malfatti is, you know, spinach and ricotta. Great for a quiche, and it makes a meal easy. Yeah. So. Yeah, quiche for dinner is its mm-hmm. one of my favorite dinners. I mean, it's like an 80s thing, but you don't hear much about quiche anymore. It used to be all. You know why? Because it's become sort of, it's become. Trite. No, not trite. I just think most restaurants can't execute it. Yeah. You know, and, it, and unfortunately, it got kidnapped by frozen food companies, and they started selling all those little frozen mini quiches. Right. But like a really great quiche. Remember back at Dudley's that back in the day, you made yeah, a quiche, quiche of the, of the day. day. So I think all Dudley's still has quiche. a quiche of the day. I mean, crab meat quiche and shrimp. Yeah. And, you know. Yeah. You do good things with quiche. Yeah. I, I'm thinking about that. It makes me hungry for a quiche. Hmm. I might have to, I might have to turn my hand to quiche this week. Um, okay, well, you're listening to Hot Water Cornbread, and I'm Weta Michael. I'm here with my husband, Chris Michael. Our co-host, Rona, uh, is listening from afar, and we, uh, we're hope, we hope we're, we're planting the flag for Hot Water Cornbread <laughs> by ourselves today. We miss you, Rona. Um, today, we also are celebrating all these little happy birthday songs and things that you're playing, Chris. A big day for us, the 15th anniversary of our opening night at Holly Hill Inn. That's right, May 9th, 2001. Well, that was our first night we were open to the public. But that wasn't the first night the Holly Hill Inn was ever open to the public. The Holly Hill Inn actually has operated as a business for 35 consecutive years this year. And I believe its opening weekend would have was November 9th in 2000, no, in 1979. Yeah. So it's 35 years old as a business. We bought it from Rose Lyons. We bought the business from Rose Lyons. And we bought the house and an acre of property from Mr. Ike Rouse. And uh, it, was, it was the beginning of a dream for us. And everyone said we were crazy. And we were. <laughs> we sold everything we owned and moved to the upstairs of the Holly Hill Inn into two rooms with our dog, Abby. And one of my favorite stories in the Holly Hill Inn history was we moved in. So at Holly Hill Inn, now we don't, we don't live in the restaurant anymore. We live next door to the restaurant, but in the upstairs of Holly Hill Inn, our bedroom was right over the kitchen. We had an apartment up there. Yeah. We had a little apartment and our dog, Abby, she's painted in the mural in our mural room, but she, um, greeted the health inspector. Well, yeah, The only way (laughs) in and out of the house was you had to walk downstairs through the restaurant and of course, dogs are frowned upon <laughs> in restaurants for whatever reason. <laughs> we don't know um, why. <laughs> but, you know, so the dog would come down and go out the door and come back in. So the health inspector walked up and there was the dog sitting there looking out the door. Abby greeted him at the door. <laughs> <laughs> he was So we had to put baby gates up. Do you remember that? We had for yes, years had baby gate gates. 
all uh, you know the kitchen had a baby gate the dining room had a baby gate all they were all really dog dog gates for abby but i have to tell i have to tell this now they'll probably close us down after 15 years but no so abby lived she would stay upstairs <laughs> she would stay upstairs and at the end of the night our wait staff do you remember how much they loved her oh yeah and so that once the last customer left Abby was allowed out of the apartment. She'd come racing downstairs and she'd like sniff all under all the tables and show she had a dog's life. She loved it, didn't she? She did. She got all kinds of snacks and everybody loved her. And then there was the one day that she caught the baby skunk out in the yard. Do you remember Mm -hmm. that? And we we were, she uh, got sprayed with a, with a skunk and it was like five o'clock. We open at five thirty, and Christopher was already dressed for dinner, and you had to wrestle her up to the bathtub. That's why she ran into the <laughs> restaurant, around through all the dining rooms with her skunk smell, and upstairs, and the whole place smelled like skunk all night <laughs> all long. Night, all night long. So, oh. and then when Willa was born, we lived upstairs for another few months. We had, we couldn't move into our house quite yet, and. I remember Willow would be crying, and you would take her downstairs and walk her around yep. table five. We would walk around the big round table until <laughs> she fell asleep. And then we had, the, remember that one guy, what was his name, the older guy? He's a customer of ours. He's still a loyal customer, but he had a problem with his veal chop or something. It was tough, or he didn't like it for some reason, and he went to the table with the baby in your arms. Do you remember It was that? always good to feel the complaint with it. <laughs> newborn in your arms <laughs> thanks for being here as always you can get uh, archived shows at saveringkentucky.com and like us on our facebook page hot water cornbread we will be back next week adios <laughs>